0: I don't necessarily worry about what the insurance company writes for. Um, I worry about making sure that their roof is done with local codes and manufacturer specifications and IRC guidelines.
1: I hope you're ready for a fire Claims Game podcast with Jen Silver, Roofing Extraordinaire, and a brand new model, getting away from the restoration model into a brand new type of model that also includes restoration, but a little bit more retail that is absolutely state-of-the-art, that she has the backing of the entire roofing industry, and she will have of the public adjusting industry as well. My name is Vince Perry. I'm the Commercial Claims Advocate. This is the Claims Game podcast. Make sure that you go on our website on commercialclaimsadvocate.com so you can see all of our events and all of our things that we've got going on between meetups, courses, and consulting. And also, I am the owner of Elite Resolutions, a public adjusting firm, where if you have a claim and you want to go ahead and work for us, go ahead, reach out to us, eliteresolutions.com. So with Jen Silver, she is the owner of Roofing Utah. But not only that, forget that, okay? <laughs> forget the Roofing Utah. She is on a mission right now, uh, basically of a brand new business model when it comes to roofing, where you're not just doing the restoration side of it, you're actually going in as a roofer. Stay in your lane is what we're going to call this podcast, because the roofer, should only be doing roofing. And if there's anything in regards to the insurance claims process, they could either have the insurer take care of it themselves or they could refer them to a public adjuster. So if you're a roofer, you need to listen to this podcast so that you could see this model if you haven't heard so already. It could change your entire business model. If you're a public adjuster, I want you to watch this so that you could also educate some of the other roofers that you might know about this new model. Like I tell any one of our, any one of our referral partners, we've got roofers that we work with throughout the, throughout the country. And I always tell them, do not rely solely on restoration. You need to have a retail model as well. But what Jen is promoting is sort of a mixture of the two. So make sure that you follow Jen on social media. Make sure that you go on and check out this Roofing Reclaim Tour. We're going to be backing it. We're going to be sponsoring it. I'm all about this movement that she's got here, and I'm very excited about it. So before I get into it anymore, I want you to hear it from her herself. So enjoy Claims Gain Podcast with my friend, Jen Silver. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. I see you nodding your head. You like the intro? It's not too bad. I do right? like the intro.
0: I thought it was
1: really good. It <laughs> uh, didn't cost too much on a beautiful website called fiverr.com, and you can yeah, pretty much Fiverr's get anything awesome. you want. Yeah.
0: You can, right? Yeah.
1: Listen up, advocates. Whether you're a public adjuster, contractor, or an attorney, if you have a client that has suffered any kind of catastrophic loss, whether that be by fire or storm, or just any catastrophic loss that requires your client to have to move out and incur ALE and loss of use coverage, you need to think about looking at Black Diamond Services. This is an incredible idea for a service that I think is extremely valuable, and I've actually personally used uh, for my clients myself. Basically, what they do is they provide all of the necessary money that that is needed, as needed to be done for the homeowner uh, to go and move to another place, whether that be a hotel or another home or whatever it is. They basically bill through their insurance policies, loss, abuse coverage, and basically they provide financial assistance so that the insured never has to incur any out of pocket expenses. It's an amazing service. I love the people at Black Diamond Services, especially Millie Varela. If you just contact her and contact Black Diamond Services, I'm telling you they're going to take care of your climate clients like you wouldn't believe. I personally have a client who's suffered a fire damage and had to use their ALE coverage and all we did was refer them to Black Diamond, our clients did not have to come out of pocket a single penny. Black Diamond provided all of the financial um, uh, money and they provided the actual location for the homeowner to stay. Amazing service. Contact Black Diamond Services today so you could find out more information for yourself. So we are here with Jen Silver, and I'm very excited to have you on the podcast, Jen, because we met at RoofCon and you started to explain to me sort of what you do, obviously, besides roofing, but your sort of, I guess, vision for roofing uh, now and into the near future. And I thought it was extremely interesting, kind of mind blowing, because all the roofers are all about roofing restoration, roofing claims, file a claim, file a claim, get the money from your insurance, we'll help you work the claim and all these things. And you were just like, no, no, no retail models, the way to go and some different things. And I was watching uh, one of your presentations yesterday. I found it very fascinating. So Jen, thank you for coming on. And if you could really quick tell us exactly what you were telling me when we met at RoofCon and what you're all about.
0: Yeah. So um, ultimately I think that contractors have good intentions in being involved in the claim process, you know, where we were wanting to support consumers and being able to explain roofing information to their carriers and why things were necessary, whether it it was because manufacturers said it was or whether it was a code item. But I think we thought it just was easier to kind of cut them out and start communicating ourselves so that customers weren't stuck in the middle. But ultimately, um, we've created a monster. And now we're in a situation where the insurance proceeds contract is going to go away. We're not going to have a choice, whether it's three years from now or five years from now, those days are gone um, due to increased deductibles, uh, automatic ACB policies after a certain period of time, you know, the things going on in Florida with, you know, right to repair, you know, whether or not an MRP actually officially ever rolls out through the carrier side of things. So i adopting that early on and stepping away from muddying the waters, which is kind of what we've done as contractors and getting back to staying focused on, is it broke? What's it going to take to fix it? And how much does it cost? Which is what I think our job is. And if you can look at those three questions and ask yourself when you're trying to evaluate, is that my job or not? If it doesn't fall into those three questions, then it's not, um, Yep. In, re-
1: in regards to the claims, I, you know, and I, I don't know if you remember, I told you this when we first met, I've been doing this for 14 years. And when I first started this, when I first started doing this, I'm, I'm going to full disclosure here. We never used to write roofs because unless it was a name storm, somebody would call me for a roof leak. I would go inside. And if it was more than one room, two or three rooms, fine. I'll write the interior. But I would never go up on that roof and take a look at the damage because we hadn't had a hurricane in five years, in six years, in seven years. Because I became right. an adjuster in 09, uh, which is the back end of Wilma and Katrina. I did about a year of those reopens. And then once that year was over, you know, you know, what, that's it, guys. Roofs are done because right. until we get another named storm, we can't do it. And then all of a sudden I don't. Well, I mean, obviously we know what happened and you could explain to me sort of what happened. Actually, I would like to know what happened behind the scenes in the industry, because after Irma, all of the, was
0: Irma,
1: Irma was 2017. OK, so 2017, Irma rolls around. What's funny is that I was so used to again, I started in 09. So from 09 to 2017, I'm not doing any roof claims. I'm doing all interior water damage claims. I'm doing pipe bursts. I'm doing drain line claims. I'm doing supply line bursts. I'm doing fires. I'm doing vandalism. those That's all I'm doing. I'm not doing anything roof. 2017 rolls around. We start hopping up on roofs and doing roof claims. And it was a little learning curve for me, even with all the experience that I had, because now I'm doing roof claims. And then after the Irma thing sort of went away after three years, all of a sudden, everybody's going door knocking on the public adjuster side as well. And they're hopping on roofs and they're getting they're getting paid on claims for just some random wind occurrence. And I'm like, this is weird. This is, and I, and and I kept telling myself, this is not good for the industry because how can somebody, and I always say things. I'm like wondering if the insurance company is, is listening because this is how I truly feel. How, how are you going to go on a roof, take a look at some damage, go on an app find the last time that there was some windstorm and then prove that that exact damage on that roof is from that particular windstorm. You know, it was just always, it didn't seem right to me. So I guess my first question, sorry, if I rambled on, I tend to do that sometimes. When did that shift? When did that start to happen? When was the roofing industry like, Hey, well, this is something we can get away with. This is something we can do.
0: So from what, I've been told and what I can kind of deduct in my own research is it, it started happening when contractors starting to started getting together at conferences that were specifically aimed at um, maximizing the claim. Okay. Okay. Um, And, and, you know, the education, you know, Steve Badger spoke at my event on Monday and he did a great job with some of the slides and showing what topics are available for these contractors to go and listen to at these upcoming or at these conferences. And, you know, you've got stuff around winning, maximizing your claim. Don't leave a dollar on the table. You know, you've got storms or conferences named things like "Win the storm, which I think unfortunately sends the wrong message. I think it was, a great concept, right. To get together and, and network. And um, but I think what we taught backfired and it created greed and it created fraud and it created, you know, desperation and, you know, contractors digging their heels in the sand and going out of business due to accounts receivables and UPA law violations left and right without even realizing that they're violating UPA laws because that's what we should be teaching, right? We should be focusing on what is your area? How do you put on an effective roof? How do you understand reasonable profitability? And if we would have done that and, and stayed in our designated lanes and knew when to pass a claim on to a public adjuster or who should actually be advising on policy and we aren't declaring ourselves insurance experts, right? Um, We may not have uh, robbed the golden goose, so to speak, as uh, I've heard before.
1: So I remember when I first came across when the storm, uh, it was only a couple of years ago, to be honest, it really wasn't that long ago. And I think it had been around for a while already. And I did download his, his free ebook that he had. Mm -hmm. And I read through it and I thought it was, it was, you know, I mean, that's, I think where I think in my opinion, that's kind of where a lot of it started, where he sort of built the model of, of that door knocking after a storm. But here's the thing after a storm, I think that's okay. Like if, if there's a serious, serious storm that rolls in, man, send them out, go send them out, go door, go door knocking. Right. Because ultimately that's, I mean, they, a lot of those people really need it. It's just for a lot of these random storms. And by the way, for people that don't know, you said UPA, I call it UPA. It's the unauthorized practice of public adjusting. So it's just for people to understand. Um, when I was watching your video yesterday and your presentation, uh, obviously my favorite part of the video was that in your process, when you're talking about, uh, you know, when you find the damage and you make sure that it's, it's legitimate damage and so on and so forth, when it comes to the actual insurance claims process, you have a little part there that says refer a public adjuster. Please tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think that contractors intentions were really good in wanting to help consumers and with the claim process. Now, I think it was convenient to be able to say, we'll take care of, you know, the claim process for you. All you have to pay is your deductible because there's no sales in that really. You right. know, it's very hard to, to say that you're giving away giving away a free roof essentially as sales. Um, and so it was an easy, it was easier. But what we've done and, you know, to go back to UPA, UPA, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> there's so many violations when we start to ask questions about policy. Like, do you know if you have an ACV or an RCB? Do you know if you have code upgrade, you know, or, or ordinance and law, whatever you want to call it. Um, do you have any exclusions in your policy that I need to be aware of? Like as a contractor, no, that is not your lane. Right. Because, Regardless of what that information is, does it change the way you put a roof on? Does it change what the local codes require you to do? No. All it does is change the way the consumer gets indemnified. And that's between the consumer and their carrier. And the biggest problem with the proceeds model is it puts contractors in a position where they're trying to collect from somebody they're not in contract with. And, Uh, right? right? So, you're saying, "Hey, I'm going to do it for the proceeds of the insurance company." The, the carriers are smart. I mean, they're a for-profit business, so you know, I always, you know, put a caveat in there that I don't hate insurance companies. They're better at doing business than we all are, and we need to acknowledge that. Um, but I don't hate them, and I don't necessarily even disagree with all of the ways that they mitigate loss within their business. Some way, some of it, I do. Personally, I wish they were nonprofits because I think it would be a lot cleaner and a lot easier. But they're not; it's not the way that they're set up. And um, their job as a profit, as a for-profit business, is to figure out how to mitigate loss within their company because that's how that works. Um, and if we stayed just as focused on our area and understood our business and understood business in general, we would realize that you can't collect from somebody that you don't have a contract with. And I use this analogy with contractors where I'm like, so say you go to Mrs. Smith's house and knock her door and um, she, she says, yes, I want to get my roof done, and, but my dad's going to pay for it, right? And, and you're like, okay, and that's fine. You sign the contract with Mrs. Smith and then you come back later and Mrs. Smith's like, well, I don't, I don't have the money. My, I told you my dad's paying for it. Like you agreed to that at the beginning like we talked about that my dad's my dad's going to pay for my roof like that's this isn't my problem you need to call my dad and you're going I my dad your dad is not my customer like I can't call your dad and get money from him just because you told me that and when I when I use that analogy people are like oh ah uh. right so Putting the carriers, what we've done is we've put the carriers in a place where they are in control of the claim process. And it shouldn't be that way. The consumer should be in control of their claim. And doing, you know, with contractors getting out of the way and staying focused on what they're supposed to be focused on, there is a need for public adjusters. There is a need for attorneys that can go in and explain to a consumer what type of policy they have, and if they have any applicable exclusions, what their statute of limitations is. And I'm not a public adjuster and I'm not an attorney, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and make that disclaimer right now. Yes, I talk the talk. I don't claim to be an expert. I'll be honest, I didn't even understand why my homeowners got indemnified until Steve Patrick told me halfway through my tour with John Dye that it was because of the loss settlement provision, right? Right, right? I just, I don't, that's not my lane. I don't want to go there. Um, But consumers do need somebody that can do that for them. And the PA and attorneys are the people that are trained to do that. And that's who should be.
1: So, you know, and, and, and I like what you said in the beginning when we first started was you're talking about how it's it's things are going away now. Because of the oversaturation of claims, the insurance company is not stupid. They're realizing what's going on, and they're going to start putting more and more restrictions on these policies. And I actually like to use, I like to try to put people in the insurance company's shoes. Everybody's always like, oh, the insurance company's rotten. You pay all this money every year, year in, year out, and then they don't want to pay and they're wrong and this and that. I'm like, well, what if you were the insurance company? What if you were the one holding the money? Would you just give away all this money? No, you're going to make sure that you investigate. And if you notice a trend and every time one of your inspectors goes out there and it doesn't look like legitimate damage or it looks old or this and that, like put put the bank in your pocket, like are yeah. you going to pay for that? No, absolutely not.
0: Or if one of your employees makes claims, right, that you didn't pay them this or that they owed more commissions on this job over and over and over, and you felt like you had paid enough commissions, but they had reasons, like you have to translate it almost into a conversation that contractors can understand because we don't think like the carriers. We don't don't want to think like the carriers. And in fact, we actually really enjoy being the victims of the claim process, to be honest with you. Right. Um, but the problem is, is we speak out of both sides of our mouths. So we one day are upset and venting on social media about <laughs> how terrible, you know, this this recent state farm or farmers or whomever agent or adjuster was to deal with on a roof. And it got denied. And, you know, now they're having to pay all this money. And what was what was me? What was the consumer? But then the next day you go to the page and it's look at my new boat. Look at my big new truck, you know, and it the conversation doesn't add up and it doesn't add up on a carrier side either, right? Obviously we're paying too much, like, but we're saying something different. And I told people, I told people in my class on Monday, I said, you guys, if you don't know what dopamine is, you know, it, it is our, what we do to make ourselves feel better. It's a, a hormone that gets released in our body to make us feel better you guys are going to go through dopamine withdrawals because right now you guys get your dopamine fixes from winning an argument with an adjuster or from winning a supplement and when that goes away you're going to you may lack purpose, right? You may feel like all of a sudden there's nothing to live for so to speak inside of your business. And I go the best way that you can fix that is go give back to your community. Start focusing on things that that make a difference and change the way that your brand is recognized, you'll see a shift in your organizational culture and the dopamine that you get is way better than the up and down that you're getting from riding the crazy claim wave.
1: It's made my job. Well, I've got, mixed emotions about this, right? Because obviously it's made my job a little bit harder because the policies right now are, they're changing things on a daily basis or so on a yearly basis. They're making it more difficult. But with that being said, I have noticed a trend lately uh, since the, I guess, since the new year started and we had some laws change here in Florida in regards to uh, roofers, yeah. door knocking and so on and so forth. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, also helped my business because I am getting more calls from roofers now. I literally met with two just last week that wants to start referring business to us. So that has obviously helped in, in that end. So that's, that's good. And I, and I hope that continues to happen more. Not so much for my business, although it does help, but for the industry as a whole, because I know what, what buttons to push. You know, I know what, and here's the other thing too, is I actually told one of the roofers, here's what I'm looking for when it comes to damage. But now I'm thinking, uh, listening to you, I'm thinking I should go shadow him or him shadow me for a day and let's go, on, let's go on a few roofs and let me tell you what I'm looking for. Here's what it needs to look like. It can't look like that one right there because that is obvious. We know that that's not going to get covered. That's just an old roof. It needs to look like this one here where you can see these shingles are creased and missing and this and that. And, you know, that's another thing that actually you just, you just gave me the idea that I should probably do. Train them up a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I think that it's important, yeah, roofers do need to understand, is it broke, right? What does that mean? Is it broke? And what what caused it to be broke? Because it it isn't always damage from a storm. You know, whether it's wind, hail, hurricane, tornado, whatever, it's not always that. And we need to be responsible for roofs wear out, right? And it, it isn't because we get wind sometimes means that nobody should ever have to pay for a roof again.
1: Well, in regards to the dopamine thing, I'm sure you have an answer for that. Besides giving back to the community, tell me about the system that you put together. Tell me about what you're doing when you go out, when you're, how are you training the roofers to actually say, hey, look, yes, you have damage to your roof. However, it is an old roof and I would recommend maybe not filing an insurance claim. However, the life on your roof is about to expire. You should replace your roof. Is that something, is that like, so is that, am I going in the I, right direction?
0: I, kind of, I don't, I don't make a suggestion either way. Okay. Right. Um, I, because I don't believe that that's my job to suggest whether they do or don't file a claim. I state the facts, right? And the facts are, yes, you have some wind damage on there, but however, your roof is also, you know, probably approximately 30 years old. I don't know that you'll have success with your insurance company, um, and that's completely up to you. I'm going to prepare an estimate regardless because I think we can both agree that your roof needs to be replaced. Um, if you choose to file a claim, uh, you know, let us know, and you know, we can talk about the wind damage or the hail that we do see. Um, but again, that is your choice as a consumer that that's not my choice. I'm going to just focus on making sure I build an estimate that has everything that you need in it.
1: Okay. I, I so, yeah. then to, so then to clarify it for me, are you, are, are you, you are leaning more towards the retail model though, correct? As opposed to the restoration? Yes.
0: Oh. I I don't delineate. So whether they file a claim or not, my, my process never changes.
1: Gotcha. Right? And explain explain think- to us your, pro- I would like for you to try to explain your process too.
0: Okay. So um, we go out to the job and we do an inspection. And for this inspection, let's say that the roof is 11 years old. Okay. It's a newer roof. So we're not in a place where it's, um, that it could be wear and tear. Okay. Clearly there's several missing shingles. Um, a windstorm came through and they noticed shingles on the ground, which is why they called us. And we went out there and we said, okay, look, this is what we found. Uh, we were up on your roof. And yes, you do have some missing shingles. What we've seen homeowners do in your situation is file an insurance claim. That is completely up to you. Um, if you choose to file a claim and you'd like us to come out for and meet with your insurance company, I have what I call as a contractor assistance agreement, um, which is essentially it's kind of like a contingency, except that it's actually enforceable and actually makes sense because contingents are really just a piece of paper that you can't do anything with. Right. So it states that the value of the meeting is $350. If you choose to go with another contractor, then you would just owe us that at the end. If you don't, and you choose to go with us, then I do waive that fee. And I take a $5 deposit on that. Um, We go out, we identify damage. That's all we do. We don't talk about coverage. We don't talk about anything else other than damage Um, we get off of the roof and we wait for the homeowner to get their estimate back from their carrier. We do explain to them that Xactimate is an average and it's based solely on labor and material. Uh, My my estimate will be higher. It always is. Um, They don't know the overhead that it takes to run my business and that's okay. I don't understand how they make their policies either. They're going to leave items off of it. They're not roofing experts. They're insurance experts. And I will make sure that I explain why they need every single thing that's on my estimate. I don't necessarily worry about what the insurance company writes for. Um, I worry about making sure that their roof is done with local codes and manufacturer specifications and IRC guidelines. And I, and I advise that they talk to a public adjuster or an attorney who can explain the intricacies of their policy. I specifically um, suggest about five or six questions that they should ask, um, you know, whether or not they have ACV or RCV, what their deductible is, na- if they have applicable exclusions, um, lost uh, their statute of limitations, and a code upgrade or ordinance and law, whatever you want to call it. And then if they could explain to them how the law settlement provision works and that's it. And then I go on my way. I come back when they get their estimate. I look at one thing. I care about one thing on the estimate. What do you think? What do you think it would be if Where I was only like number of squares? That's all I care about. Is it a full replacement or is it not a full replacement? And if it's a full replacement, because whatever's listed underneath that first one line item that says tear off doesn't matter because the way I do the roof doesn't change, right? My price for the roof doesn't change. So all I care about is full or partial. And um, if it's a partial approval, it is my job to provide the consumer with the documentation of why I can't repair it if I can't. Because it either goes through a penetration or or whatever reason that repairability is not an option, it's a discontinued shingle. Um, you know, Utah's a matching state, so you know there there are those things around codes as well. Um, I can educate the consumer on that, but ultimately they have three choices at that point: they can go with the public adjuster, they can pay for the other half of their roof, or they can hire a company called Rescue Roofing. And what they do is they write estimates on behalf of the consumer and give them back to the consumer and the consumer can give the exactimate with the proper line items and white pages to their carrier and the contractor is not involved in that. And they're not based on a percentage.
1: What's the difference between what they do and you just submitting your estimate?
0: Because sometimes we don't get the same results and we don't argue, right? And I don't give it, I give it straight to the consumer So if if it comes from the contractor, oftentimes I found that it doesn't have the same weight and you know it's viewed differently. So I give the consumer the information, but they'll do better communicating through Xactimate, because I don't I don't know, I don't use Xactimate. I don't have it. I don't not gonna spend the money on it. It's not necessary. So sometimes it's better to actually be able to communicate in that language when you're
1: trying. Oh, I, I gotcha. I got gotcha. you. You provide the, the client with just like your normal, like, here's what it's going to cost you, like your, your yep. bid or whatever. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, do you ever, one thing that I like when I work with a roofer is I do like like a professional opinion. So some kind of like documentation that states, uh, you know, um, uh, hold on. I always, let me just make sure. Uh, Jen from roofing, Utah, uh, specifically went up to the roof and it shows that there is significant wind damage. And based on my experience, and you know, this is Jen, you know, writing the letter for me or uh-huh. for the, for the insured based on our experience, this has suffered significant wind damage and must be replaced because of X, Y, and Z. Do you guys yes. ever do that?
0: Yes, we've done
1: that. Okay yeah because that's what I would ask for if, if I get something like that where we're going for full roof replacement and you're and they're only paying for partial, we'd have to basically give some some you know intelligent reasons as to why it needs to all to fully be replaced
0: well and if 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 we as an industry can stay more focused on being experts in roofing, those would be received much better mm-hmm. right Like they would be, oh, well, they're the roofers, and they must know, but right now, with the current model. And that we claim to be insurance experts, what we say doesn't have the same weight anymore.
1: Explain to me in your words from your end what is the current model. I know what I see on my end. <laughs> what is it in your end?
0: <laughs> so we knock a door, and um, we get him to sign a contingency agreement, which is unenforceable and really a useless piece of paper. Um, and we can go through why it's unenforceable another time, but. After that, then we go out and we meet with the adjuster. And most of the time we violate UPA laws during the adjuster meetings because we're asking about policy and we're telling them that they have code upgrade and we're asking if they have this and we're asking about this and we're arguing what their policy covers. Um, then uh, we get a an estimate or a scope back in and we go over it with the homeowner and we tell them all about their policy again and what things are missing on their scope, which I do believe people okay. are broken in that area. I think contractors should be able to talk about the things missing yeah. from a technical side, right? And we can't. Most people don't know that we can't, but we can't. Um, and um, so then we do that and we get an ACB check in, usually has a mortgage company on it. Sometimes it takes 30 to 60 days to get that check back based or on more. Or, not, or more. <laughs> Then then we start the arguing and supplementing, right? Again, where we're violating UPA laws, whether we want to admit that we are or not. Um,
1: why do you say that? Why do you say if just going, just going through the estimate from a as a roofer, line item by line item, why is that breaking uh, UPA laws?
0: Because you don't know what their coverage is, right? Mm. So if, if they say they don't have ordinance law, now you're arguing for ice and water shield or you're arguing for something that is a code item, you're... Teetering on the line of UPA law violations because that's where you start to get into policy. Mm -hmm. And see, people don't think that way because we think that we're solely arguing for the scope of work, which we are. And I do think the UPA, like I said, the UPA laws are broken there. I don't think that that should be um, included in unauthorized practice of public adjusting. However, I think UPA laws are incredibly necessary. So doing away with UPA laws, I think, is a terrible idea because then we're pretty much saying anybody can go out and practice law without a license. And um, we all know that nobody's going to go out and be a doctor without a license. So why should you be able to adjust policy without a license either? Um, But that's that's another conversation. Then we chase checks again because whatever we've agreed to, you know, they've released some ACB on that. Sometimes the full amount just depends on where you are in the process. Start the job, finish the job. Then you're supplementing again for whatever additional work was found or consequential damage. Uh, Lord knows how long that takes. You're supposed then to Then your name's then your name's
1: not on the check and you have to chase the client who doesn't want to pay you anymore.
0: Yeah, they ghost you or everything is now wrong with their roof that was never wrong with their roof for the last sixty days when you were talking to them. You know, and it's just this vicious cycle. And um we do it over and over and we have accounts receivables that cause contractors to go out of business. For sure. You know, they get in desperate situations, they steal money. Um, and all in all, it's just it's just broken, dude. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Tell me more about this roofing reclaim tour. Like you guys are just like, what? This is like uh, the way you have it. It looks like it's like this like world tour that you guys are doing. Tell me more about that.
0: Yeah, it's going to be pretty fun. So, um, John Senack from Name That Shingle, um, myself, Matt Mulholland from National Claim Institute, and TJ McCormick, who is world's greatest roofer on TikTok. The four of us were at where were we
1: probably D2D yeah. or it was Yukon. either
0: D2D or SRC. Cause it SRC. was recently. Um, and we decided that we needed to get out and reach the masses, right? Like there are contractors that will go to local local, driving distance places, but they won't, won't necessarily travel, take the time away from the office and their families and go spend the night other places. So how could we do that and be effective and deliver this content so that the industry truly has a, has a chance at seeing this, you know, into, into fruition. And the only way we could think of is to go out on tour and, you know, try to hit as many cities that made sense. Um, this summer. And hopefully by the time we're there this fall and the conventions and everything starts to kick back up again, those conferences are looking at something different for a conversation. And, you know, we can spend the time preparing over the winter to roll out what it is to just say, no more, no more, no more negotiating, no more arguing, no more fighting.
1: In Miami and and Miami and... Miami and Tampa, we would say no mas,
0: no mas. So explain to me who's, how you guys
1: have it broken down. With is it broke? What it's gonna t- what what it's gonna take to fix it, and how much does it cost?
0: So, um,
1: so the Matt content Mul- the content of the tour exactly. If you could, you know, be specific yeah. about it.
0: So Matt Mulholland is going to talk about is it broke, which means is it legitimate damage? Kind of what you were talking about a few minutes ago. Um, is it legitimate damage, or is this wear and tear? Right. Uh, And and the reason
1: why, sorry to interrupt you, the reason why I think Matt is perfect for that, which you, you already know, but just to explain to the audience is not only is he a public adjuster, but he was also a former roofer. But besides those two things, as public adjusters, We are going up there on that roof with the independent adjusters all the time, and we are having to show the independent adjusters this damage. And there's nothing worse than going up to a roof for a claim that you know, it's just not legit. It's not what it is. So Matt is the perfect person to talk about that as a former roofer, but more importantly, as a public adjuster who's experienced that, you know, I'm sure many times.
0: Yeah. And I... I'm excited that he's going to do that. And John Sienak is going to talk about what's it going to take to fix it. Meaning when is a roof not repairable? When, what, um, You know, what options and things are out there for you to be able to help have documentation around showing it's not repairable, whether it's because of a matching law or a matching code or whether it's because of a discontinued shingle or because it goes into a penetration because, you know, manufacturer specifications, whatever those reasons are, because that is our job, right? Our job is to explain why things are not repairable. Now, is it our job to then say, well, code requires that, this, and they have code upgrades. So therefore, no, 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 no. What the consumer has in their policy doesn't matter. How you have to put the roof on is all that matters, right? Right. So-
1: You have one job. You have one one job. job. Like the the name of this podcast, by the way, is going to be called Stay in Your Lane. You have one job. Just just roofing, just stick with the roofing. It has nothing to do with anything else. If you need code upgrades, that has nothing to do with the insurance plan.
0: Well, and if we all stayed in our lane, we'd all be great because there is a need for everybody and everybody has a need in the arena in some way, but we've kind of cross mingled and um, unfortunately... And I would like nothing
1: more than a roofer find a claim or find a roof and go up there. And if he's unsure or whatever it is, call Vince and say, Hey, Vince, I got this. Can you come out here and look at it? I go now. If I even if I go up there and say there's no claim here, don't file a claim. Now I'm, I'm getting in contact with a homeowner, which could be a potential referral in the future. And then I could be another help in the sales pitch, I guess, in a way where like, look, uh, you've got no damage in regards to wind damage here, but you probably should replace your roof. Make sure that you, you know, speak to this roofer about doing it and having to pay for it. I'm sure he's got a lot of financing options and blah, 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 blah.
0: So let's talk about that for just a second. It's really, you know, my biggest ask from the PA community is to support your roofers in this transition. When they're calling you and saying, hey, you know, are you willing to do a 15 minute free consultation with this consumer to explain, you know, just a few things about their policy to them? Do it because it's exactly that. If they have any issues getting indemnified on the backside, who are they going to call? You. Right. Right? And that's how you set it up. And that's, in my opinion, that's what public adjusters and, you know, policyholder attorneys are supposed to do. You guys are supposed to be advocates for the consumer and they shouldn't have to pay for every single thing. Now, I understand their carriers are the ones that should be explaining to them their policy and that they should be explaining every intricacy. But I don't think we should leave it on them because I don't think they'll get the honest answers every time and maybe not even from a malicious standpoint but a lack of knowledge standpoint. So I think it's really important as a as a in the public adjusting community for you guys to see this change and have the contractors stay in their lane you've got to support them with their customers when they need it.
1: No, I agree. I agree 100%. And, you know, and, and the roofer just being honest with them, too, and just being like, you know, look, I'm going to call this guy out. He knows what he's doing. He's going to take a look at it for us, and we're going to determine whether this is a claim or not. If it's not, I still think you
0: need to replace your roof. Right. Yeah, regardless. Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, so we went through Matt, John, and we still got TJ and Jen in the, in the, in the tour. Oh,
0: we got me and TJ. Okay.
1: So we got, yeah, yeah we got so Matt is it broke, notifying, uh, identifying the damage. John is going to talk about how you fix it, how you replace these things, and I'm sure some code upgrades and so on and so forth. And then, Jen.
0: And then I'm going to talk about what's it going to, or how much does it cost, right? Okay. Um, so that's a huge question I get, because when you look at the loss settlement provision, and again, I am not a public adjuster or an attorney, Okay. <laughs> But based on my own policy and what I understand is the cost needs to be reasonable and and what is put on needs to be necessary, right? Um, well, reasonable can be debatable, just like the word incurred. And I don't want there to be a misperception that that means, hey, you've got a 75% gross margin on there because that, that in my opinion is not reasonable. So what is reasonable and how do you, understand your true general overhead and you know are you are you accounting for an owner's salary or an owner's draw if you're an LLC because you should still have it built into your overhead. Um,
1: that's very valid. Allergies. No, no, we're good. You haven't froze once. Maybe I'm just standing there. Maybe I look like I'm frozen. That's
0: okay. I just, I got (laughs) worried, you know, because I thought, oh no, I don't, I don't want to freeze. That's Um, super,
1: super valuable is being able to sort of figure out that exact number, I guess, or figure out depending on the house and depending on whatever needs to be done, but at least figuring out that exact number of what it's going to cost, what your profit margin is going to be. And so that's super, super important.
0: So that's my job um, is to start to explain to them how do you get to that point and how do you understand your true overhead and, you know, and leave yourself a 10% net profit, right? right. And, but a net profit should be a net profit. It should be after all of your expenses are paid, including your owner's salary, because you need to put that money away for the years you don't have storms. And you need to have that money put away for the years that um, COVID or something like that happens, so that you can sustain your business long term. Um, yeah, and so the- there.
1: If you're relying only on storms, you need to be able to find a way. Exactly. I couldn't agree with you more. You can't rely everything. I actually was sitting with the roofer this week when we were talking and he's just getting started out and he just wants to do strictly restoration. I'm like, dude, you need to have a like you need to have a strong uh, retail division. If you don't, you cannot just rely on this, especially what we talked about in the beginning with the insurance company clamping down.
0: I 100% agree with you. And it is very hard to take a sales rep who has done it, the insurance proceeds model way and switch them to retail. Why? So you only want to do it once. You don't want to do it back and forth all the time. Because it's, just it's that, not sales.
1: Yeah. it's, a, it's an a, Now you're actually selling. It's, it's tough. You have to sell I guess value,
0: right? right? Yeah. Mm. And, you're, and you have to gain trust. And I mean, it's a different conversation. It's not impossible, but it's really hard to go back and forth multiple times. So, you know, that's why having one business and one model that never has to change, regardless of what you're doing, makes sense. It makes sense for everybody.
1: Um, I have a question that you mentioned something earlier and you said we can make a whole other video on that, but I want to ask anyway. So... If, if you feel it's going to be too long-winded, then, I, you know, I don't know, I guess try to keep it short, but I am interested in the uh, what you were talking about with the work authorization and how a lot of the contingency agreements are just a piece of paper as opposed to sort of what you guys have implemented in the industry. Can you tell me why it's unenforceable and why it's, doesn't, it's just a piece of paper and the difference between what you're doing and that? In a brief <laughs> couple of minutes
0: yeah I, I think I can I think I can summarize it pretty quickly so a contingency agreement essentially says that you're gonna do the roof or whatever the insurance company agrees to pay right um, well what if they only agree to pay the ACV amount because it doesn't delineate in there usually if it's an ACV or an RCV. or what if um you go and you've done all this work and you've supplemented and you, you know, you had to send off for an NTS or an ITL report and you've had multiple adjuster meetings and, you know, maybe you had to have somebody else as an outside expert come in and you had to pay them for their time or whatever. And you've incurred these costs. Okay. At the beginning. And now the customer decided that they're mad because it's all taken too long and they're done and they break the contingency contract. And you go to court and you say, judge, you know, we were in contract and, you know, they, they, they broke their contract because they didn't, they got frustrated with the length of the process, but I did all of this work and I got the roof approved, right? Okay. So the judge looks at the scope of work based from the insurance company. And what does it start with? What? Tear off. Tear off. Right. That's what the contract is written for, the scope of work. So he's going to say, did you start to tear off that roof? And your answer is no. We Interesting. You haven't commenced work on the project based on the scope for the contract.
1: Interesting. Okay. As opposed to?
0: And you also usually don't exchange money until the ACB check comes in. Right. So there's no, there's nothing that binds it that way that's, either. That's my the big one. Yeah, it is in a lot of ways, but it's just as valid. The fact that there's no, there you're not accounting for any of the pre-work that's done on a job. Gotcha. Um, um, my contractor assistance agreement literally states that we're going to come out. We're going to do uh, your, assist you with your adjuster meeting by, you know, pointing out, is it broken? What's it going to take to fix it? And how much does it cost? And it, our charge for that is $350. Now, that's what I charge for any non-owner inspection. So, if a realtor calls me and wants me to go out for one of their buyers to do a roof inspection, the charge is $350. So, that's where I came up with that number. That's how much a salesperson's time is worth for me as a company. Everybody's number is different. Um if they choose to go with us, I waive that. But if they don't choose to go with, uh, with us, then, you know, we collect the $350. And I take a $5 deposit um, at the front.
1: Why $5?
0: Um, Because $5 finds it.
1: Right? Ah, yes. Hello. Duh. Of course. Um,
0: but it's not so much that if it doesn't get added at the end for some chance when you're applying payments that a that anybody ever notices because I've had times when I know that the five bucks my sales guy had and he lost the $5 bill. Right. And, and and I know that sounds silly, but it's just a low enough amount, but it's enough that binds. And that was just the number I chose.
1: Awesome. I think that, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense uh, because there are, you know, c- the roofers are always concerned about the, the work authorizations and then they get these checks and they're not on the check. And it's up to me to try to make sure that they get on the check and then they get mad at the homeowner because then they don't want to do the roof or they get mad at me because it's, it just kind of becomes a big clusterfuck.
0: Yeah, it is a complete big clusterfuck.
1: One industry, one model. You had this yesterday, right? How'd that go? It
0: was Monday.
1: Monday. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. How was that? You had Jen Silver, um, which is you, Steve Badger, Steve Patrick, and then Chris Yano, Yano, Chuck Toki, Reggie Brock. How you know. was it? Are you there? Okay.
0: Yes, I am here. Um, it was probably one of the most rewarding, humbling experiences of my life. Holy crap! I think that Don't you have kids? The participants. I do um, and I hope one day I can say that, but while they're little, um I don't know that I always feel like it's rewarding and humbling.
1: <laughs> listen mine's four <laughs> weeks old, all right, It was okay. driving me crazy. <laughs>
0: you're not there yet, you're not there yet. Wait, wait until they're teenagers. Oh, great <laughs> yeah, but it it does get better because I have some adult kids too, and they're awesome, and that is incredibly rewarding, but okay. and. It, Granted, the day you have your child and you feel that you hold them for the first time, nobody can ever take that feeling away from you. But from would, a professional level, I got you. We'll, we'll, we'll go back that it's professionally the most rewarding and humbling I've ever felt, right? Humbling experience. Um, I was in complete awe of how many people took a chance and blindly showed up, trusting me that I was going to deliver you know an experience for them that mattered and that made it worth their time worth their money that they spent to get there i honestly thought it would be more contractors local to the area and it was not i would say 90% flew in from all over the country wow um, it it became standing room only for vendors in the back um not a single person left the whole day the room was exactly the same amount of people packed when I did closing, John Senac and I did closing remarks as it was at eight o'clock in the morning when we got started. Um, the posts that came in after um, were that, you know, just I was being tagged in, and there were several that I wasn't tagged in either about best event they've been to, more value than they ever expected, their minds were completely blown. This makes so much sense. You know, so many different things means to me that my message is being heard, right? And it is going to generate momentum, which is what I really wanted from this event. I wanted to get that conversation started. And, and I, we need to start the personal accountability side of that too. And where we're at fault in, the, in how everything got broken, right? And that's a lot of what that was. And now that that there's been more trust gained, so to speak, right? Because I too have to gain trust of the industry. But now that you can see that and there's more communication around, okay, this makes sense. I get what Jen Silver's talking about, or I get why everybody's talking about Jen Silver, when we go out and we can hit more cities and get the exposure out even more, it gives us a true chance as an industry of supporting each other and making this transition.
1: Jen, when and how did this all dawn on you? When did this, when did this just sort of like, when, what was the aha moment that you had where you were just like, this needs to change and I'm going to make a difference and I'm going to get out there and tell people about it.
0: I didn't have an aha. I did. It didn't happen like that. Okay. So, um, I switched because I couldn't afford to pay Xactimate again. I was a brand new company, right? And I didn't, I just, I started my car, my company on my credit card and I didn't have room to put an $1,800 a year Xactimate subscription on it. I mean, that was, that was the beginning of why I was like, I can't do this. Like I can't afford it. I can't supplement. I don't, I don't have the capital. We don't have enough storms here. So that's how it started. Now. The whole like industry side of it, I was on a podcast with Armando J. Cox and John Dye that was on social media marketing and branding yourself. And they asked me, the first question they asked me, they left me 10 minutes at the end because nobody knew who I was. And this is last July, July of 21. So they left me 10 minutes on the end. The first question they asked me is, well, do you do insurance work or do you do retail work? And I go, well, I do both. But I think I do it a little different than what most people do. And they're like, what do you mean? I go, well, I do everything retail and I finance my homeowners and then I just support them, but I don't talk to the carriers. And they're like silent.
1: Like what? And I'm
0: like, oh shit, did I say something wrong? (laughs) This is my first podcast. Like, I don't think they're supposed to be silent, Jen. Like in my (laughs) head, I'm like, what did you do? You know, and John Dye comes back and he goes, you're the one. And Shut like,
1: up! What?
0: And I'm like, what? And he's like, like, like Neo. Yeah. It was, it was like, it was almost exactly like that. And I'm like, well, what? He goes, you're the one that's going to transform the restoration industry. And I, go, and I laughed, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's funny. Yeah. No, like, I'm just trying to figure out how to stay in business. Right. Like I, it's still my second year and I had $150,000 loss my first year, which we can talk about some other time, but um, I, I just, it didn't make sense. And I went to the IRE and I was on a panel at the IRE to talk about introducing a new stream of income or revenue into your business. And I thought they were going to have me talk about solar, but they wanted me to talk about myself as the stream of revenue from a value standpoint of personal branding, which was an interesting conversation. But John Dye was there. And so we met in person. We got we we dug deeper into what I'm doing and the model and all these things. And he calls me, I don't know, a week and a half after the IRE, and he goes, Hey, so I've really been thinking about this. And I think you need to come on tour with me. I've got a tour starting next week, and I think you should come on tour. And I go, Wait, isn't it a supplementing tour? And he's like, Yeah. Okay, so you want me to come on your supplementing tour and then after you talk about supplementing all day you want me to tell him to not listen to you and to not supplement and to not use Xactimate. He goes, "Yeah." And I'm like, "I don't I don't understand how this makes sense <laughs> for you." And he's like, "Jen, <clears throat> the industry is going to change. That they, they need to hear it. I have a platform, you need a platform. Let's go." And By the time I got to RoofCon, the conversation had already been started enough that people recognized me. People were starting to come up and ask me questions. And I didn't have a breakout at RoofCon. And so I was like repeating myself over and over and over and over and over, kind of like it was when I met you, right? Well, Roofing Process Conference was the next conference. And I um, was really scared to call Dimitri because I thought I wasn't worthy. Right. So,
1: (laughs) or because just he's Dimitri and that's how he
0: is. (laughs) Yeah. But, and but yeah, I was really nervous, but I, I reached out to him on Facebook and I said, Hey, I was just wondering if you had any more breakout sessions left by chance for your conference. He's like, well, I know that I met you at the IRE, but I don't even know what you're talking about or teaching. You need, I'll call you right now. And I'm like, okay. And he calls me and within probably five minutes of me explaining, he goes, this is gold. I'm flying you out. We're doing an interview. You're going to have a breakout. This is absolute gold. Like amazing, amazing, right? And that's kind of where it went from there. And after the interview, and then I don't even know how many more podcasts and more conferences and putting on my own event. And my own event kind of came out of, I keep telling people that Steve Badger supports this, right? And that he supports it from the carrier side. And people kind of look at me like, yeah, okay, right right like why wouldn't uh, he well would, i know that you get that mm-hmm. but people but contractors can't couldn't wrap their mind around it so um after all the conferences and i got home i you know i called steve and i said hey i know that you said you'd do this like are you ready to do this because i kind of need us to do this so that i can kick off with the rest of the year i need people to know that i'm not full of shit and he's like yeah let's do it. And so we scheduled February 28th and, um, I made some calls to some other speakers. Everybody happened to be available. Like that's the only day of the entire month or the only day <laughs> in the first quarter. And I'm like, of course it is. Cause you know, there are no accidents. God had that all lined up. I get mm-hmm. that. And, um, that's how it kind of all came about.
1: That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's the perfect way to to close this one. I'm so um, grateful and happy to have met you at RoofCon because, and and I mean, like all these other guys, you know, all of us were all like starting all these like crazy things and trying to influence here and YouTube videos. And, you know, I think a lot of us were we have like the visionary, right. We're always, and as soon as we, I mean, just a, Three minutes into our conversation, I had the same reaction as those guys. I'm just like, "Yes, this is genius!" And as a public adjuster, it's just so good for my side of the industry because it just legitimizes a lot of these claims. Obviously, helps us get more work, but just more of the legitimacy is what 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 I'm really looking for because I think it was getting a little out of hand. I agree. And um, yeah, so I'm really thank you so much for coming on uh, before before I kick you out of here because I'm sure it's time for your nap.
0: It is actually. And then it actually is. And I have another call at two o'clock and I was just thinking, I'm like, okay, I could probably do a 35 minute nap in. That's
1: an inside joke. If you guys ever run into Jen Silver at a conference, it probably is going to be either right before or right after a nap in the middle of the day.
0: Yeah. I have to take a nap. Like, If I don't, I'm a nightmare. By the end of the day, my mind just shuts off. It doesn't work because it just moves too fast all day long. So yes, it is nap time. I appreciate that.
1: Um, so uh, for those of you guys that don't know, for the the One Industry, One Model event that was a life-changing, awe-inspiring, most amazing event of her life, it is actually on sale. as is pre-sale that you could buy it up until April 1st for $399. After that, it's $599. In my opinion, if you're talking about an event like that, you can't ask for a better price than just $600 if you're just going to get all that knowledge, especially, obviously, for the roofing industry, if you're running out- out of money, hey, this six hundred bucks would probably could turn your entire organization around. So make sure that you get that. And then, in regards to the tour, we have got the roofing reclaimed. Where I mean, I'm not even going to name off the cities because it's basically. Yeah, we'll
0: get it posted and updated here in the next couple of days. Um, along with, we're working on getting the website taken care of too, so that everything's ready. Um, I wanted people to know it was coming, but I, I Again, I I underestimate. What that would do, and we've instantly had people that are ready to register, ready to register, and I wasn't quite ready for all of that, so I'm I got to get some last minute things tied. it up and we'll be ready to go
1: here soon. I I would like to be a part of it as, as much as I can. I'm interested in sponsoring it. I'm, inter- I'm interested in helping out especially in Tampa, Orlando, Miami and Dallas as well. So anything that I can do to help but also uh if you just I don't know we'll get in contact in regards to sponsoring some of these events as well. I'm very I appreciate interested. i much. Um, I'm all about this. I want to get on this uh I want to get on this train here because I'm I'm all about it. So um thank
0: you for the support and congratulations on the baby. Oh, thank really you so beautiful. much.
1: Yeah, I'm just not getting any sleep.
0: I know. I, I had four of them.
1: Oh, how? I don't know if I can go for more.
0: Well, one. you forget about it. Like once they start getting bigger, you kind of start forgetting about it. And you're like, oh, I could do it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think so. Is there anything you want to add before we close this out? Nope, that's it. Nap time? Yes. <laughs> Jen, thank you so much for Thanks. coming on. Well, I'm sure we'll yeah. see each other soon.
0: I'm sure we will. Have a good one.
1: Me too. Man.